0: Hello and welcome back to Headset, the Oberlin Theater Department's podcast.
1: Today we'll be conducting another alumni spotlight. This time we have the pleasure to talk to Henrietta Key, a 2018 Oberlin graduate.
0: Since graduating from Oberlin, Henrietta has worked in a number of different arts management positions. Currently, she is the development operations manager at the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company in DC.
1: I, for one, am super interested in arts management, so I'm very interested in what Henrietta will have to say today. So without further ado, Henrietta Key, welcome to the podcast. So would you like to begin by just talking about some of the work that you did for the theater department when you were at Oberlin and remind me, what year did you graduate?
2: Yeah. So I graduated Oberlin in 2018 and I actually came into Oberlin, like most students, I'm sure, without any knowledge of what I wanted to major in, but I was very intentional in that I didn't really want to do theater when I came to Oberlin, but I happened to have an extra space in my freshman year schedule and so I signed up for Acting 101, which then led to me actually dramaturging the main stage production my freshman year.
1: That's a that's a big position to get your freshman year. <laughs>
2: I had never I think I'd learned the definition of a dramaturg maybe like that month or something but I was really eager and wanted to be involved and happened to get involved in that and that led me to meeting a lot of people within the department pretty early on which then encouraged me to take arts management my sophomore year I believe and that kind of skyrocketed my involvement both within the department and also with theater in generally and solidified like okay I guess I'm gonna do this as my career so to speak but no I was I was Involved in AUSTA too, pretty early on. It's funny how I said I didn't do theater, but I, I just like it's one of those things that I never said I was doing, but I was just doing it in the background all the time. And so I did AUSTA and I worked with them since my freshman year and ended up being the chair of that organization, I believe, junior and senior year. And then, of course, within the department, I was the administrative assistant. Um, I believe, I think I had a publicity job at one point. I kind of worked a lot within the department and in, in many different roles and then was actually the student representative my senior year, which was an elected position to kind of be the voice of the students within the department to the faculty who were there and just kind of talk through concerns that students had or just points that people wanted to bring up. So it was many different roles. I think a lot of the theater department at Oberlin is like, oh, you're good at this thing. Like, we'd love to have you do this. Or like, you're passionate about this. Why don't you take it and run with it and and try applying it? So I was fortunate that they kind of gave me the reins and said, just run and do what you want to do. And so I, I took advantage of it and did many things and took many classes, which was, was exciting.
1: The student representative position is incredibly interesting to me as well, just because we've talked in previous episodes about interdepartmental communication, um, specifically when we were speaking with Ms. Caroline, she was talking about how much she appreciates feedback from students on both classes and just how the department is run in general. What was that position like? I know that's a very broad question, but did you get a lot of feedback from students and were relaying that to the department constantly, or was it kind of an...
2: Yeah, well, that position has also had many ebbs and flows in its um, involvement and its officialness. And so the main role that I worked with, with my kind of partner in crime, Tom Klein, and this was early on, was to actually implement a survey that students would fill out um, to encourage them to like provide feedback through Google Forms because it had never been actually written down in an anonymous way before, at least in my knowledge of Oberlin. So that was a big important thing to kind of have data that we could show to the faculty in like a presentable way but you know it was organic there were office hours people could come and talk to me but a lot of the time by my senior year I was heavily involved in the department so I was a face that a lot of people knew which I think helped in people who were younger coming up to me and expressing their concerns and I will say like Miss Caroline especially and Eric as well were very open to hearing feedback and, and did encourage it throughout my entire time there I would be interested I have been back to the department since I graduated and so it would be interesting to see what I'm sure things that we were discussing then are things that people are discussing now but I wonder what's been applied and like what is being listened to I'm sure there are things.
0: Yeah. I know that there's been talks to like make the major more open and easier not easier but more accessible for different areas so that's I don't know if that's something specifically that you guys talked about but that's one thing that's that's in the works.
2: Yeah, no, I definitely know because the, the way the concentration system was set up officially but unofficially within the theater major, it made it very much so that you were like identified as an actor or a director or kind of a production entity. And so there was not a lot of ebb and flow for people who were like multi-hyphenates or individuals who wanted to take a little bit of something and, and
0: maybe be like a dramaturg, for example. <laughs> I definitely also realized in talking to you now that actually the theater department is a lot more family-like, I guess, than other departments. Like, I know a lot of people in the theater department, but I'm a computer science major and I know some computer science students, but I don't know as many computer science students as I do theater students.
2: Yeah, that's actually funny because I was a computer science minor. I will say I would have been a major. I felt like to go off of a tangent, the computer science major is very much like you have to take the entry level classes early or it's really difficult to play catch up on the back end. And so that was like my big regret was not doing it sooner. But no, I agree with you. I think the theater department and I think this expands to theater generally is that theater tends to be very time intensive and very like emotional and very you put a lot of heart and soul and in these kind of ephemeral things into it and so it's more bonding in that way so yeah a lot of the theater department was very close but I also think that is difficult for someone who's trying to like join the family so to speak because it can seem intimidating when they are so close and you know like there are definitely groups of people that exist within the department but it is it is a family and it it was welcoming it just can be intimidating sometimes I remember like looking at the seniors and being like you are so cool (laughs) I'd be
1: interested to know, just because I know that you were doing a lot when you were a student, but I don't know if you were actually doing any acting or tech at that point in time. Were you like actively stage managing all four years?
2: Yeah. So my rise to stardom has never really been on the stage. I auditioned, I think my high school freshman year for like the musical, Guys and Dolls or something. I'm tome deaf. I have terrible stage fright. I'm not really a performer. And even as far as stage management, I always like liked being behind the scenes in theater. And I didn't really think that I had a role professionally in that capacity. Like I was never really a stage manager. I had the mind for it, but I never did it. I was never really like a lighting designer or a producer in any way until I took that arts management class. And I realized that you know, there are roles that exist outside of being a performer or being behind the scenes. Like there's somebody who does the marketing for these productions. There's somebody who does the operations, like manages the whole creation of it all and does the fundraising for it that I was like, that's who I want to be. And so I think I took a directing class once and Justin was like, you're actually pretty good at this. But apart from that, I, I was never really on stage. I'm sure you can drag up like one production photo of me in a Carol Churchill play that was like in Harkness, but that was really the extent of my acting career.
1: Yeah, I think... As I've been kind of making my way through theater, both after high school into college, it's just the experience of learning how many different things can be done in theater and how much of it is actually management. I mean, like you, you start out kind of in high school, at least I did thinking, you know, acting is like the big thing that's part of theater. And then I was like, oh, there's so much work going on behind the scenes, but I was thinking about tech. And now it's like, there's so much work going on behind the scenes, but it's management and it's tech and it's, you know, the budgeting people and the marketing people. And yeah, there's just so many places that you can go And I feel like it almost relates back to, you know, we had a very early on episode in the podcast where we were talking about the stigma behind having a theater degree and people not thinking that it goes much of anywhere. But I feel like I'm just learning more and more with doing this podcast and with doing work for the theater department, just how many places you can go. And it's, you're just constantly learning as you go throughout this process that there's so much that you can do uh, with roots in theater. So
2: yeah. And, you know, like all of life is theater. I feel like the skills are so transferable <laughs> just to, you know, not, not scare anyone who's a theater major.
0: <laughs> so shifting to the work that you've done after college, you're working currently at the Woolly Mammoth Theater Company. And so you're the development operations manager there. What does that kind of work entail? Like, what have you been doing since you graduated? It's a big question, I know, but however you want to take that question.
2: Yeah, I've kind of had like a myriad of arts administration roles predominantly on the East Coast. I did hold a position in scotland actually the summer after my senior year at the edinburgh fringe festival which was the greatest experience i saw more plays than i slept hours on the daily with wild <laughs> would recommend it if you're ever able to get out there but that kind of fast-tracked my passion for festivals and the format of like work hard play hard do a lot in a very short time which is obviously not the healthiest of methodologies for approaching art but sometimes you know it's taxing and you have to be aware of that and take your time but it also does breed like a lot of really exciting energy. So I was drawn to that. And so I then worked at Actors Theatre of Louisville, which has the Humana Festival of New American Plays, which was my primary draw there. And then I moved to the Williamstown Theatre Festival up in the Berkshires, where I held that role for about a year and a half. And then now I'm at Woolly Mammoth Theatre Company, which is not a festival, but still holds that same kind of chaotic energy of the facilitation of art. And so There, I am their development operations manager. I've been there since February of 2021. And my primary responsibility is like the management of their database and the kind of compiling of their donor facts and donation history and any other points we can identify to, you know, manage and strategize around fundraising for the organization. And, you know, it includes things as mundane as gift entry or as exciting as like big picture fundraising strategy and and bringing their platforms into the 21st century with like online giving campaigns and things. So, That might be like the nitty gritty of what I do, but generally it's just the management of the department of development, which is fundraising, which most people don't know. They always contact me and they're like, can you develop my plays? And I'm like, you know, speaking to the wrong person.
1: (laughs) But I'm sure you, you know, those people.
2: Oh yeah. I can pass you along or, and, or talk to you about your play. I'm probably excited to hear about it too but
1: but here's the big question do you get to watch all the plays
2: oh yes yes you get to see a lot of plays working in theater it's really great I'm actually we have our first in-person opening night on Friday of this week which I am so thrilled about because I it's my second in-person production in a theater space since the start of the pandemic which I'm sure as we all know it's been a long year and a half I'm sure in a different (laughs) way for students currently at school but especially for those in the theater industry it's been a really difficult time. So I'm having a pinch me moment to be back in person. So it's, it's really exciting.
0: Yeah. I've definitely seen a lot of the excitement around Broadway reopening. That's been very interesting for me to like watch all that excitement. I actually had a friend who was working on some, I don't know the details, but he, I, I've seen photos on his Instagram where he was like working on some sort of like concert around the reopening of Broadway. And it looked like everyone was just so excited that Broadway was reopening.
2: Yeah, no, definitely. And I actually, I was based in New York before moving to DC. And so I I was like at Broadway openings every night and I saw a Broadway show the night before they closed in March, which I probably shouldn't have, but it was definitely such a big part of my life. And so to not have live theater is is difficult, but I will also say there's been a lot of innovative things that have happened in the virtual realm, which is really exciting and a big push for, you know, kind of equalizing who has access to, to theater, which is really exciting. And I know Wooly is looking to incorporate it into what they're doing. And just generally, I'm I'm interested to see what the realm of like digital theater can offer guiltily
0: because I also have the a- science background (laughs) and love to see more of that coming together yeah a lot of the capstones last year ended up being digital which was really interesting to see how the seniors took that on yeah that's exciting
1: speaking of broadway it does it ever annoy you that like you know when people see broadway as like the end game for working in theater has that been kind of part of your professional life as well
2: Yeah. I mean, I definitely, I had the privilege of working at an institution that was like the pre-Broadway run for a lot of shows. And so because of that, I then was able to go see them be on on the main stage of Broadway institutions. And I will say there's something really, you know, exciting about Broadway. And it's also a great introduction for a lot of people who don't really know about theater, but like go see Wicked when they visit New York and all of a sudden they know more about theater. And I think it does start a lot of people's at least early experience with theater. But I've also worked at many great regional theaters. And I think that they're also a great entry point for people and produce sometimes more provocative pieces sorry to anyone who's on broadway who's listening to this
1: if someone who's on broadway listens to this
0: (laughs) please tell us
2: You never know. Yeah, we'll let you know. But, you know, I think because there is definitely with commercial theater, a drive for revenue because they are a for-profit institution. There is a greater consideration about the bottom line. Whereas for nonprofits, they, you know, most organizations, only 30% of their revenue come from ticket sales. And so it's not about making money off of the shows as much as people would love it to be. But I think there's more freedom and more space to not be bound by the bottom line and now probably people who are you know financial advisors or whatever are now laughing at me because they're like no you should be considerate of the budget and of course I am but there's more freedom and space and so I've seen more innovative stuff in regional theaters and in off-broadway houses because they're less concerned with that that kind of pursuit for the next big show which is really exciting and also you get to see a lot of younger people or people who are at the beginning of their careers wet their tongues with with theater, which is always fun to see on stage. So I'm a big proponent of either.
0: And I've worked in both and I've enjoyed them them both. They're just very different. You said earlier something about like always enjoying theater. And I was wondering what caused you when you came to college to not want to go into theater? What was the motivation behind that?
2: Yeah. I mean, I think it has a lot to do with, Peter, what you mentioned earlier about the legitimacy of a theater degree. And also just generally, I'm sure, I I mean, I was personally pressured to, to do something that was considered like a career. And I hadn't really had a lot of exposure about what could be considered a career and also... I was probably naive in thinking that there is like a career, capital career that exists for an individual. I think now that I've been out in the, the world, it's very piecemeal. It's very organic. It kind of ebbs and flows. Sometimes you take a break from your career and sometimes you are moving cities during a pandemic to do what you love. So I think the initial hesitation just came from not understanding how to be like a real adult trademark. And then I discovered that like you can you can do things through internships and experiences that I was very fortunate to get while at Oberlin. So I was like, oh no, I can I can do this professionally.
1: Since you weren't interested in theater, particularly when you were going into college, I know a lot of people who end up with theater choose Oberlin because of the conservatory, because of how many opportunities there are in theater. What did make you choose Oberlin?
2: My Oberlin story, It's kind of silly. So I was in North Carolina when I was applying for schools and I was in between a very big state school, the UNC Chapel Hill, which had like spectacular in-state tuition, was a great organization or a great university. And at that time I'd wanted to do psychology and they had a great psychology program. So I was deciding between that and this little liberal arts college in Ohio that I'd visited once and applied to because it sounded exciting and artistic and boundary pushing. And and that was always the people that I'd been attracted to. But I was walking down Main Street and there was a toy shop and in the window there was like an albino rat or something like some sort of white animal. Albino squirrel? It wasn't an albino squirrel and not, it wasn't that much of a cliche, but I saw it and I was like, I have to go to Oberlin. It was like the <laughs> wildest thing. I had no idea why, but my mom was like, I have to go to Oberlin. So I walked in, I bought, this like albino thing. I don't even know what animal it was. And I gave it to my mom and I was like, mom, that's my college decision. And she's like, what? (laughs) Like, I don't understand. I'm like, I'm going to Oberlin. She's like, what? So anyway, I guess maybe that in and of itself shows why I should be at Oberlin. But yeah, I saw a stuffed animal and that's why I chose Oberlin.
1: Sometimes that is what makes a decision.
2: Do you still have it? I don't still have it. I have no idea where it went. I think my dog ate it.
1: I don't know what I was expecting. That wasn't it. But
2: (laughs) I wish I had a better story. Like, honestly, I I really do. That's an amazing story. I love that story. I but like everyone has like this moment where they know and that was mine, but I will say like I was so grateful that I did go there some of my best friends in fact my current roommate is an Oberlin grad here and you know Oberlin has continued to be like a presence in my life I was at a party a couple weekends back and there was like a running joke throughout the night that was like if an Oberlin student picks up the phone you answer and it was kind of the bit of the evening but I think it's true in some ways.
1: Have you found yourself drawn back to Oberlin in either your professional career? I know a lot of people when they graduate, they end up coming back to Oberlin either to see shows or to be involved as like an alumnus to doing various works for the college. Have you considered that done that at all?
2: No, I mean, I think I did go back for a friend's graduation. So I've, I've been incognito, but I've yet to have my like full trot around campus, I would say. I'm sure one day I could see myself coming back in some capacity. But I don't know, I think I keep people from Oberlin in my life. And that is me being on campus and being there in a way. But I also like to explore new places and move around and meet new people. And so I think right now I'm in that stage of my life. And so it is, it's always exciting to to talk to Oberlin students, but it's also engaging to just like hear what everyone else is, is up to and doing. So maybe I'll be back one day. I mean just to go back for the Feb tots. That's I dream about those. Like I gotta go back for those. Oh yeah. But um and of course see some people. But no, I think Right now, right now I'm definitely exploring. Although I did get back for that Lizzo concert before she was famous. She like played Celerity and I had no idea. That was a really, that was a good time to visit, I guess.
0: That was apparently great. That was before both Peter and my time, but I've heard so much about it.
2: Yeah, I'm sure. I don't want to like make this all about the Lizzo podcast because I could go into it, but she did play the flute with like the flute department and I was, it was so beautiful. It's in tears.
1: That's so funny. I had no idea that Lizzo even played the flute.
2: I mean, to give a quick shout out, I will say like the Oberlin music department and I had a couple of peers that were involved in like selecting programming have brought some great names to Oberlin before they like just at the cusp of their fame hood, if that's a word. Hendrik Lamar, SZA was there. There's been a bunch of really great people who've come through just before they hit like the top 50. So definitely go to random concerts at the SCO when of course that's, you're able to do that.
1: That's the hope is that we're going to be able to do that soon.
0: I know, I know. I realized like that's, yeah, it's, it's a different Oberlin, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. And good luck with the show you have coming up.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. It's if anyone's in DC, I don't know if any of your listeners are DC based, but let me know if you want to see the production of Teenage Dick, which is a spin on Richard III and then kind of talks about like disability politics. It's really, really exciting. It's set in high school. So Lots of cool stuff. If anyone wants free tickets, tell them to email me. We support the shameless plug. Well, actually, I'll do a plug for Woolly Mammoth just really quickly. They have a really cool pay what you will program, which theaters do implement, but theirs is universal for every production and any house, all seats are pay what you will. And so you can come see a play for like a dollar, which is really, really exciting. And I think is the future, I am hope, of a lot of accessible theater. So you can come see a Broadway bound musical.
1: It's amazing. I think, you know, we've actually talked in the past as well about the accessibility of both being involved in theater and seeing theater. So it's really great to hear about programs like that all the time. Thank you so much, Henrietta, for talking to us today. I've really enjoyed our conversation.
0: Yeah, no, it was really fun. Thank you for for reaching out. It's exciting. Thank you again to Henrietta for joining us. I really appreciated all the stuff that she's done at Oberlin and the work that she's put in in various areas of the college. And I like that she's also interested in computer science. That was a nice little touch.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I also loved being able to talk to someone who's had the position that I currently have as well, being a student administrative assistant, because I haven't really talked to many people who've done that before and it's just another way that she's been so involved in the Oberlin culture while she was here
0: I like that she came into Oberlin almost with this mindset of I'm not gonna do theater but she did it anyway like she came in not necessarily lying to herself but she didn't count the work that she was doing in theater as doing theater if that makes sense and I feel like I'm kind of the same when I do things I'm like I'm not that busy I'm actually doing a lot of things that I kind of just don't count as work
1: I mean she said she almost came in averse to doing any theater work and then kind of rediscovered a passion for it which I think is great I think when I talk to people who have come to college for theater often they expect that they're going to be doing so much theater stuff and they can't fit in everything that they want or the interest kind of takes a back burner to some other things and I think that she was kind of the opposite. I think that she managed to find ways to be involved when she didn't think that she was going to be able to which I think is very commendable and just inspiring for new students perhaps who don't think that theater can fit into their academic interests. Uh, It definitely can.
0: Yeah definitely.
1: And it's very cool that she's managed to make Pretty much a career right out of college doing arts management. We've talked before about how theater students worry a lot about being able to make a career out of college doing theater. And not only has she managed to do that, she seems to really enjoy it. And Woolly Mammoth clearly is an amazing organization because they've managed to not only put on great productions, but also make their productions affordable, which is something that we've talked about before that we love to see within theater.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was a really interesting conversation. And thank you so much to Henrietta for joining us.
1: And thanks to all of you for listening. We'll see you next time on Headset.